Hello and welcome to The Nature Pod, a weekly conversation and invitation to join me and my guests as we navigate pathways to nature. Let's awaken our senses to all that is around us as my fellow walkers in life, friends, experts in the field of health, wellness and ecotherapy share their stories of nature connection and insights into personal development. I'm Suzanne Radford, forest therapy practitioner, communication coach and radio presenter, lover of the great outdoors, guiding people through nature to a place of calm, clarity and contentment. I have found some of the best conversations, ideas and inspiration happen when walking and spending time in nature. So let's connect and see where it takes us. My guest today is a person I met whilst living and working in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates. I was working in radio and he came into the office to see if there were any opportunities to co-host with me. The moment we met, I felt a connection with him, and as it turns out, we'd grown up in the same town in England, and had even attended the same theatre school, though not at the same time. It's a pleasure to welcome to The Nature Pod, writer and founder of the writingshop.biz, and my friend, George Stothard. I caught up with him in his home in Fulham, London, and I began by asking him how he was getting on during lockdown. Because I work from home, I, not much has changed. So I am getting out three times a day, as always. I'm only supposed to go once, but, you know, <laughs> I live around the corner from the park. I have a very young dog. So three times a day, we go out to Wheelbrook Common, and I spend about, in the morning, about half an hour, about an hour at lunch, and an hour about five o'clock. And I sit on the grass now. It's beautiful weather. And um, so I'm getting a lot of nature at the minute. Yeah, and I'm really enjoying it. You've got your dog, so clearly you have to go out. Do you think you'd go as much if you didn't have Derek? No. <laughs> I'd probably never leave the house, Suzanne, <laughs> if I didn't have Derek. <laughs> he forces me. So how is it when you're with him? Do you feel that connection? It's Because, uh, it, you know, I've always been a cat person and never really been into dogs and, and obviously loved yours. And I got Derek because I thought, well, I'm growing up a bit and I'm sort of a bit more settled now in London and back in the UK. And I could do with somebody to keep me company when the other half's not around. So I thought, you know, great, a dog. I can travel with a dog. I've got to go up north. He can get on the train. So I found Derek. And it's really weird, right? Because there's this whole community of dog people, called dog people, in the park. They've all got their dogs. And I see them every day. And I've sort of latched onto this little group. And they're, they're kind of 30s, 40s. So they're kind of my age group. And I sat there yesterday for an hour and a half. I should have been writing, to be honest. I should have been at work. But I sat there for an hour and a half. Derek was next to me, and it was quite hot. And he just nuzzled into my side where the shade was. And he just lay there. And I thought, this is so lovely. I've got these new friends that this dog's given me. And here he is by my side in the shade. And it's just lovely. It's a real, a real, a real companionship that I never, I never thought I'd have. I remember your cats in Dubai. I've not met Derek in person yet. And I can remember how you used to just love sitting with them and stroking them. I just lost my dog recently. You knew Shakespeare when we were in Dubai. And I think, yeah, and I was coming across photographs of um, Shakespeare. And one of the last ones I took with you when before you left Dubai, you went first was you and Shakespeare on the beach. We went down the beach and we got uh, the, the cool bag. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Drinks and food. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, but I just know you as a person, George. That way that you seem to really find calm, some kind of calm when you're with your animals, with the cats. Are you finding mm. that with Derek? So when you're sitting there in the park, what's it giving you? Do you know what? It's giving me uh, a sort of rooting because you know if you're on your own, you sat in the park, and it's up to you when you go or leave. And and uh, last week I was I, I'd done a, a bit of a workout to get my exercise because the gym was closed. And I had Derek with me, and 
he was playing with Rafiq, that's his, his best friend. He's a, a Sharpe. And Rafiq's very, he's the alpha. And I know that little character. So I sort of sat there watching Derek try to be friends with Rafiq and Rafiq sort of doing this and Derek sniffing his bum and, you know, desperately trying to be best friends. And, and I thought, I, you know, I've been here an hour. I really need to go home. But I just, I had to stay there with my pal and let him have his time. And it feels like you're with someone and it's really nice. And, you know, I, I was saying to my other half last night, you know, as he said, um, a city, cities uh, can be very lonely places. And I said, well, London actually is quite a lonely place. But if, if, you know, if you've got a dog, you don't feel nearly so lonely. And uh, so, yeah, I feel, yeah, he's my, he's my best friend. It's really weird. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt with uh, Shakespeare. And I can remember being in Dubai and feeling a bit lost um, in the early days. You know, as an expatriate, you're in a different country. Um, whatever your circumstance might be, where you have moments in your life where you're not feeling grounded or not sure of direction, mm. where I was going to go next. And so what I do, I adopted two dogs and a cat, which wasn't the most, probably the most practical thing at the time in my, dogs as well. <laughs> in my circumstances. <clears throat> but uh, it actually was the thing that anchored me more and anchored me to the place because like you're describing there in London, I had to take them out. So I started exploring the beaches, going out into the desert with the dogs and that opened up a whole other world. So this connection with the animal, but also the connection then with, the environment where I was taking them yeah. and just amazing, amazing memories. Just you pick up on that about the loneliness factor because I've just been uh, mm. reading Richard Louv, nature writer and author, and talks a lot about this connection with nature, but also connection with with wildlife or animals, and and that it's something actually inherent in us as human beings. Mm. He believed that we are the loneliest species ever currently mm. at this time. And I thought that's really interesting. He said that and wrote that before the pandemic, which has, you know, forced people into self-isolation. And he's saying it's young people. You know, we equate loneliness with usually with the elderly. And he's saying it's it's young people today that are feeling lonely because they're indoors more. They're locked into devices and technology mm. more. They're not out in nature as much. Maybe that's one reason. And there could be other reasons. What, what do you think about that? Can you relate to that at all? Uh, absolutely. I, I uh, actually I saw a dad around the corner, a dad with his two kids, and they were I don't know three and five or something like that, and they were just uh, they had chalk and they were playing hopscotch on the road because they I guess they can't do anything. And I I was just walking back from the park with Derek, and I thought, wow, this is like seeing something from the nineteen fifties, and how wholesome it was and natural. Really? You know, there, were, there wasn't a video game, there wasn't like a water park involved or a, a trip to uh, to Spain. It was just dad with his kids playing hopscotch on the street because they won't be allowed to go very far um and i and i i i wrote a blog recently about how uh, this could be an opportunity or at least a, a moment in time where families i mean i've never seen so many dads with family in the park pushing their kids on the swings and i wonder how many kids are loving this moment because they're with with their parents but what does that say about where we are pre-covid you know where you don't really see the dads in the park except at the weekends, and um, yeah, I, I I think it's I, I'm I've sort of I, I, this blog was about seeing I guess the silver lining or one of many silver linings actually about community and people coming back together. And I've met people on this street I've never spoken to before. Last night we were doing the eight o'clock clap for the NHS, 
and uh, everyone comes out of the street and stands on their doorstep and claps. It's really nice to see people again. <laughs> where were we before, where we just walk past people, you know, um, who we now know? Um, don't, don't say hello and don't engage and sit in our homes on our own. I'm talking to you in Portugal. Actually, the lockdown's lifting here. I went out to the beach for the first time uh, about 10 days ago. And so I took a drive out to the beach and, it, and did this circular walk. Stunning, absolutely beautiful. And on the West Coast, down in the south of Portugal, I didn't see one other person. This was during lockdown. And it was quite an amazing experience to just have mm. sort of two, three hours just walking, stopping, sitting, and then I went back uh, just a couple of days ago and now we can see some vehicles and there's a couple of camper vans and there's a few, there was, there was some two surfers, which was really lovely because they went running past us to the beach with their surfboards and they were like, bom dia, bom dia, good morning. And we were like, you're, you're happy. And we're like, we're so excited. We can go back into the oh. and surf. So I, I hope it sort of brings this connection between us all. Uh, we, we do remember, we stay connected and and keep going out yeah. outdoors as much as possible. When you describe yourself on the beach, what did it sound like? Because one thing I've really noticed is sound has, has changed because I'm on the flight path to Heathrow, so there are no flights now. So I can hear so much, so much more. What's it like on the beach when there's nobody? The sound of the sea and the waves crashing and there's a slight breeze, you can sort of feel the breeze. And I suppose the other thing I really notice is breathing in the scents the smells the cleanness of the air I mean we're pretty clean here with our pollution levels it's really really good here but I've really noticed that and I've been reading reports around the world that that's what people are noticing pollution levels yeah. are lifting they're hearing the sound of the birds um, people are connecting and, and, and making and noticing more about what's around them so yeah I mean that's why I mentioned it because for me the bird song is incredible. I'd never noticed the bird song before. Ordinarily, about 4.35 a.m. in the morning, the first flight comes over, and that's it. It's all I hear until I properly wake up. And now, nothing. I sleep longer, and then I'm woken up by bird song rather than an aeroplane. And the quality of sleep, especially in those last few hours, is really improved. And yeah, I mean, I'm hearing all sorts of weird birds. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a North African parrot, and this is true. I, last uh, autumn, I noticed these yellow green parrots in the park and people pointing at them up in the trees. And so, you know, they were there every day and uh, saying to the other half, this is weird because they're, they're definitely parrots. They're not local. So I Googled it. And basically, a couple of years ago, there was some weird weather phenomenon and some parrots had come over from North Africa and ended up in Holland. And uh, they've stayed here. And they literally come back every year to Fulham. And it, it is literally West London. It's sort of Notting Hill, Shepherd's Bush, Fulham, Chelsea. These parrots now is part of their life. Our soft fascination of nature, that's what researchers are calling it. The idea that nature can hold our attention. So I'm wondering, Ben, what are you liking the most at the moment in nature? That and the moon. The moon. The clarity of the moon. I don't know what it looked like last night in Portugal, but in London last night, I could see the, the face, the eyes. You know, I could see the, the not just a, not just a color. And the, the sky was so clear. And I said to the better half, look at that. And I took a picture from the bed. And I said, that, that really is the best moon I've ever seen in London in 20 years. 
ever. The clear sky is, is, is so changed. And it's a real dilemma, isn't it? Because I'm desperate to get back on a flight to go to Mallorca, to be honest. I'm desperate to aviation to happen again. But then I'm really loving the, the clean air and the bird song. It's, it's so lovely. I do feel as if, and you know, you know me, I'm not a greenie. I'm not an environmental campaigner. But I do think, wow, this is the first time since the Industrial Revolution started that this planet's been quiet and the air is clean. I mean, since when have our factories not been kicking out? Not since the 1800s. They're all silent now. The fact that you're noticing that, you're actually acknowledging that, thinking about that. It's, it's really, really interesting times. Obviously, on so many levels, what we're living through at the moment, as they keep saying that word, unprecedented times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, really interesting. I mean, George, you grew up in, in Grantham. That's where you grew up. Like me, I grew up in, I was in Grantham for a few years when I was very, very young. You were um, in the pub. <laughs> was in the pub yes my grandparents ran the pub in the marketplace because <laughs> yeah. I thought about that this morning I was thinking gosh George we grew up in the same town I have a couple of things that I remember from my childhood in that particular town to do with nature do you have any you? recollection yeah <laughs> I do yeah yeah so uh I was uh from the uh uh the Ellsfield council estate which is of Dysart Road and two things, there was the mud hills. So it was basically, a, 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 I don't know whether you remember the mud hills, it was uh, basically wasteland that kids on their BMXs had turned into these sort of rolling mud hills. But there were tunnels going onto them as well because it really was industrial wasteland. So there were industrial tunnels, I, don't know, I guess sewage tunnels or something. So we used to go and hide in there um, and just uh, hang out. So yeah, the mud hills and then the big tree. The big tree was a really big tree near my house, and it was massive. <laughs> it must have been, it must have been about three. It was, it was like a really old tree uh, and huge, and it had center center place in this sort of green on the estate. We would go and climb this tree, and there were swings as well, and it was kind of like a focal point for. I was bullied there. I kissed a girl there. You know, I used to used to go running there with my brothers. It's kind of. Yeah, the big tree in the mud hills for me. I'm not sure if I knew the mud hills, but I remember I used to also, this is one of my memories, was going to a waste ground behind where I lived. Um, two things, my grandparents had a massive garden at the back of the pub, which was really overgrown. So that was like a jungle to me, which I loved. I just used to spend time in there exploring and losing myself in all of that greenery and the flowers and the butterflies and but beyond that, over the road, was this massive waste ground. And like you, I used to go in there. And so these sort of pockets of areas in towns and cities where, as children, we could lose ourselves. It, it, they, those memories stay with us, don't they? Yeah. Are you talking about behind the pub? Like yeah. behind that building? I know yeah. what you mean, because yeah, there's still a bit of wasteland there. Uh, and it used to be the swimming centre. And now it's an Asda. <laughs> So finally come good. <laughs> That's so funny. Really amazing. Who knew we were going to, well, paths would have crossed possibly, although you're quite a bit young, a little bit younger than me, but who knows? <laughs> and the other place, which is, it came back to me this morning, is the canal. Yes. I, mean, I, I mean, I left there when I was eight, so we're talking, I was really young. I remember... Yeah feeling having this lovely feeling when I used to walk and along this canal and the reason I'm mentioning this because there was significance I was I was born in a city I was born in Nottingham I and my first few years were in Grantham 
and then we moved mm. to the to the countryside to Rutland. But I had this sense, really, really young, from a really young age, that I wanted to be, and I liked being near trees, near water, in nature of some sort. So I just find it interesting how we, we it, it, you just make this connection, and and it stays with you forever. Do you know? <laughs> I'll tell you a fun fact about a canal. Okay, go on. <laughs> if I can. Please so, you do. Know the guy that, um, so, the, the guy that um, designed the Eiffel Tower, his name was Gustav Eiffel. And he, after he designed the Eiffel Tower, he was hired to design the locks for the Panama Canal. And uh, the guy who was the developer was called Ferdinand de Lesseps. And he uh, spent $260 million. Uh, um, dollars of French government money trying to build the Panama Canal. It was too deep, got into a bit of trouble, and it was all cancelled. And so Mr. Eiffel and Mr. Uh, Lesseps were both uh, tried and convicted and, and found guilty of uh, embezzlement. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what do I know? <laughs> what else do I know? Quarter of uh, 25,000 people died building the Panama Canal of uh, typhoid and yellow fever. <laughs> wow. Gosh, there you're full of all these interesting facts. I know this because you and I are obviously magically connected somehow. I made notes about one of my favourite parts of Grantham, and I've talked about it. the Grantham Canal. Right, it's is what is one of my favourite walks from the. Do you remember the Dirty Dock? No. Pub. Okay, in Wolfsthorpe, Wolfsthorpe by Beaver. You know the Vale of Beaver. Grantham Canal comes out of Grantham all 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 the way through Wolfsthorpe, and there's this pub my mum used to take us to called the Dirty Duck, and they'd have like a children's playground, and it's right by the Grantham Canal, and there's, it's just always full of ducks. And so that, as a child, was one of my favourite things in the summer, was we'd go there, we'd take a walk down by, by the canal and see all the locks. And I noticed last year I was with my brother and Derek, and they've, they've uh, re rejuvenated, if that's like, well, refurbished all the original locks. So it's now a working canal again. And although they don't use it for what, obviously, you know, they used to be, Part of our national infrastructure but it was really lovely to see that someone has invested time and money in making these locks uh work again really lovely i hadn't thought of grant for the canal that that waterway through the town for years so it, yeah it's amazing just talking with you again bringing back these connections another thing so if we go back to the desert and dubai we were to do some traveling together i remember taking a little plane from abu dhabi to sabanyas island they brought in wildlife there, so we looked, We did a little safari and were able to see some amazing animals, but also spend time just relaxing in, in the nature there on the beach. Do you remember that? You know what I remember? You know what I'm thinking of? <laughs> the alligator. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten that. Of course, we went kayaking, didn't we, in the mangroves? Yeah, we were told by the naughty man who was doing the that there were alligators and we needed to be really careful. And then, was it you that fell out or I fell out? We both went together. There was a panic about the alligator. <laughs> but didn't it feel good afterwards? Again, it's the animal instinct in us, yeah. I think. And another time we drove right out into the desert, deep, deep desert, through the United Arab Emirates. We drove um, and we were almost at the Saudi Arabian border. I have some beautiful memories there when you just, when you start to really get into the desert, how it, that it really gets under your skin. I mm. think the, the there's a sort of mm. mysticism to being, really is a mysticism to being in the desert, particularly that part of, of, the, yeah. of the desert. It was really pure. 
I, I found the evening uh, as, as uh, I remember. I remember that that trip. I remember the long drive out there, and I remember we were knackered. And then as as we sort of relaxed, and the the sun started to set over the the sand dunes, and I, you know, coming from a green country, I've always thought of sand as being just sand, you know, and the and the color of uh, the, the color of the sand changing from sort of you know a gold into a to a salmon pink, and then a sort of rose and and then as the sky, you remember how black that sky was, a completely unpolluted sky, unbelievable. A million stars. I know you've had some struggles, as many people do, with depression and anxiety. Mm. Is there anything you would share with us regarding where the, ne- the nature connections come in? Yeah, yeah. I already wrote, th- wrote some down. So obviously you and I are on a, a weirdly the same <laughs> page today. <laughs> <laughs> something you remember that it was a pivotal moment in your life or whether it was some way or some time when nature's really played a big part in helping you i i went through a very quite horrible depression at university um and it was probably the 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 first of a, a couple of bad episodes um and thankfully i'm much better as an adult um in my 40s but uh at the age of i guess yeah 20 1920 in Aberystwyth at university, very, very, very low depression and uh, some very dark times. And often those times would come at night. And so I would go to the seafront. And I, I've, always, I've always loved the sea. I, uh, like most kids, um, I guess I would go to holiday every year in Skegness and uh, look over the horizon and imagine what was over there. And so I always had, I always, I've always had a fascination with water. I'm, I'm a cancer, I'm a water scientist, so maybe that's it. But I, I used to go down to the seafront in Aberystwyth during those very dark times and, and just sit there. The Aberystwyth promenade is quite short, but if you go all the way along to one end, there's uh, Constitution Hill, um, uh, which is a beautiful big hill, uh, but it's quite hidden away. And I just sit there and think and look at the, look at the, the water and listen to the waves and think about that horizon and looking over the horizon. I don't know whether there's some connection with a, a horizon and a sort of hope of what's over that, the other side of there, but the, the sea during those difficult times was really weirdly uh, helpful. And this, the sea, that I means the sea in Aberystwyth is beautiful. In, in the summer, it's, it's gorgeous. You can go in, there's a really nice jetty that you can jump off and splash around in. I'm sure I saw a baby shark once. Um, not verified, but sure it was a baby shark. Uh, and I used to run along the seafront in the winter because I used to do a lot of running and I'd run past the sea during storms and the waves would lash up. I used to get a real thrill out of getting soaking wet on my runs. So I've always, I've always had a connection with, 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 that, with the sea. And I remember when an- another dark time, I was weirdly, I was on holiday and I was with, I, I won a holiday to Orlando. Don't know whether I ever told you. Um, no. Yeah, I won a week in Orlando, ten days, um, and it was a really awful hotel. And I, I didn't have—I I was single, so I was able to take a friend. I took my my mate Colin, and we, he'd never been to America, so I took him. We went to Orlando, and it was really rubbish. And they put us in a comfort inn, and it was—we <laughs> were quite poor, but we thought. And we'll go. We'll go to South Beach. So we got we got a cheap flight to South Beach, and I and wasn't planned. And I I one morning I went down and I sat uh, on the beach, and the sun was rising. And I thought, wow, that sun's rising. 
above the Atlantic in front of me and it's just set in Aberystwyth. How weird. I used to watch that sunset all the time uh, from Wales. And I always used to imagine. So there, there was a weird connection of sort of thinking, wow, you know, I'm so much better now in a better, better part of the world, a better part of my life, watching that sunrise <laughs> from, from Abba. You've talked a lot about mental health and, and you've been really good at reaching out to other people and enabling other people to feel they can speak about their situations and their mental health. Um, particularly when we were in Dubai, I know you had, a, you know, you, you still got your blog and I know you were, mm. you, were, you were reaching out to people who felt maybe they couldn't speak out about their, their situations or their, their health. So for somebody who, who maybe listens to this, George, and thinks, yeah, but that's just you sitting on a beach. That's being on holiday. Yeah, we know it's nice to do that. Yeah. How would you, if somebody really hadn't gone out and, and felt what you felt, what would you say to them or how would you sort of help them well, take those first steps, I suppose? Um, I, there are times with depression when you can't even get out of bed and literally just, and, and you know, I don't have those times anymore. But I remember when I did, uh, I, I used to just put on, uh, on YouTube music of rain, <laughs> the sound of rain would uh, soothe me. And just, just, you know, if sometimes when you're depressed, you just don't want to, you just don't want to be here. You just don't want to be around and, and you just want to sleep. And being, being, being sort of sent to sleep with the sound of rain was just, for me, really soothing. And, um, and now, if, sometimes if I can't get to sleep, I, I do that as well. Well, when I, I remember when I left Aberystwyth, uh, and I, 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 you know, I used to travel to Thailand a lot, and I used to travel a lot, and I was very much sort of globetrotting. And, and I just had, I came crashing back down with this depression and ended up back in Grantham and didn't know what to do. And I went through this process of, and it was a beautiful summer, of staying at my brother's, really um, dialed back the work and spent every day when it wasn't raining, which was a really good summer, would take my brother's dog, Dexter, out to a little green area near his house. And it was only a, a tiny little green area in a, in a housing estate. I used to sit there and they were blackberries and Dexter's a golden, uh, sorry, a, a chocolate, uh, Labrador, and so a complete pig. So he, w- he would be in the bushes eating the blackberries and I would be eating them with him. And <laughs> I just had this really lovely summer of sitting in on a piece of grass with a dog and blackberries. And it, it really weirdly, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a moment in my life where I really, really helped me to dial back the stress, the tension, the anxiety, the panic attacks and just sit in nature and get back, get rooted back in a place where I came from, actually. Thanks for sharing that, George. If you are listening to this and you are going through a bad time, obviously seek professional help. And if you can access nature, just listening to you there, George, it just shows what, what comfort it can bring or, or it just gives you some time, some time for ourselves, a bit of self-care. Yeah. I, w- I was thinking about nature and if I was trying to identify one, one thing uh, that if I could leave to a friend, one thing in nature, and uh, I found it really, really difficult, but it, would, it is the sound, I, the sound of running water. That's my thing. And I, maybe that's why I was really into the sea and the sound of the rain when I, when I couldn't get out of bed with depression. For me, the sound of running water and what, what, I don't know what, about you, looking at rain. Do you like rain? I love rain, yeah. I've come to appreciate it more since I've lived in a, in a hot country, in a desert like the UAE. 
it's cleansing and and I can walk to a mm. waterfall from my house and I go there probably two or three times a week and to, like you said to just sit yeah. and listen listen to the sound of the water flowing watch oh. the light bouncing off the the fall of the water and just watch it trickle through the ground and down the river it's it's you're so just, lucky you go to a waterfall twice a, mu- a week <laughs> yeah, it's so I'm lucky if I get to Poundland. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were going to impart a word that describes rain for you, what would that word be? Torrential. I love a torrential downpour. Yeah. Yeah, if I was going to say to anybody who was visiting Earth for, for one day, I'd say, make sure you experience a torrential downpour. If there was an alien, I'd say, yeah. See a torrential downpour, stand in it. Love it, love it. Stand in it, feel it, feel the sensation on your skin. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Well, George, I'm going to leave you now. So uh, what are you doing with the rest of your day there in Fulham in London? It's actually VE day, bank holiday. So um, I have a bit of work to do, a bit of blogging. And after that, I'm well, actually, uh, I'm probably going to be forced to take Mr. Derek to the park shortly because he's not seen his friends yet. Fantastic. After the waterfall, are you? I'll probably be going to the waterfall later, yeah. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to my friend. That is the writer and founder of the writing shop, Biz. He is Mr. George. He is George Stothard. Thanks so much, George. Thanks, Suzanne. Do you take care? Weird that we both thought of Grantham Canal, isn't it? You've been listening to The Nature Pod with Suzanne Radford. Thanks to George Stothard of TheWritingShop.biz and to Tim Elliott, Andrew Constantino and Michael Marden for their support in launching the series. For more on my nature therapy walks and workshops and to see the waterfall I was talking about, follow me on social media at Forest Bathing Algarve. And if you'd like to share your stories of nature connection and join me on The Nature Pod, then get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. I leave you now with an invitation to notice the sounds of water when next you're standing in rain or you're near a river, stream or canal. Breathe in and out and tune into the pace and rhythm of the water as it flows and notice how it feels.